Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Hello, we're super excited today to have Terry Cochran. She's an internationally known health expert specializing in complex and chronic conditions, as well as bringing elite performers to their highest potential. She recently authored the Amazon number one new release book, The Wildatarian Diet, Living as Nature Intended. Can't wait to hear more. And her thriving practice is based in the metro DC area. Welcome, Terry. Oh, thank you so much. It's so good to be with your audience. We're excited to have you here. And, you know, we love to back it up and start at the beginning. So for you, you started your career as a banker and a portfolio risk manager, which seems a little different from what you do now. But we understand that you had a son who had some health challenges. Can you please tell us how kind of walking with him on that health journey led you to this health and wellness field? Absolutely. If you would have asked me 20 years ago, where I would be today, the last thing I would have said would be in the health and wellness industry. (laughs) Um, But you know, sometimes life throws something at you that really has you look at it with a different lens. And as you said, I was in the banking industry and a portfolio manager, and I, in my latest tour of duty in my 20-year career in that sector, I ran one of Freddie Mac's uh, departments in their multifamily division. So I was charged with the health and the risk management of billions and billions of dollars of assets. And I found myself becoming a risk manager then for my son's health. Um, At the age of three, we were told that he would not be normal, that he would have brain seizures, uh, failure to thrive, he would not grow past five foot four. And so for a couple of years, we went down the allopathic medical route only uh, observing him to fall further behind. Uh, and one day I decided that I would no longer follow the traditional path. And it, it was illuminated to me, what if, it, what if things could be different? What if it didn't have to be this way? And how might I pursue a road for him, a healing path for him that might allow him to live a different life? And so this was before the age of the internet and uh, certainly before Google. And so I just started becoming this rabid researcher. So I had my day job of risk management of uh, portfolio of assets. And then I had my night job of really ferreting out why my son's body was acting the way it was. And so I started interviewing parents and just going to the library and looking at everything that could possibly give me some signs and signals. And I had at least 50 books on my kitchen table at any one time. And one day I had this epiphany, oh my goodness, it's what we're feeding him. And that was the genesis of his transformation. I eliminated five foods, wheat, corn, dairy, citrus, and peanuts. And within four days, he started breathing and the allergic shiner started receding a little bit. And that's when I discerned that I might be on to something. Wow. That's absolutely incredible. And, you know, it goes against, 
you know, conventional Western medicine that food has any impact on our health. And so I'm so grateful that you were so dutifully kind of doing the research and looking between the lines. And, you know, for, for many of our listeners who may not realize that, you know, back in the 1990s, I mean, the internet was just really in its largely in its infancy. So that was still when we were getting, you know, tangible books. I can just imagine the amount of copious research you put into that. So I know that your practice is based on the philosophy of bioindividuality. Can you share with us a little bit about that concept as it's so important for looking for root causes, like you were looking, you know, more deeply at your son? Absolutely. Well, if, if I were to distill my life's work, my, my this next, you know, 15 years of life's work into two sentences is there's no one health food for everyone and there's no one supplement for everyone. We are all different. And so why are we different? Well, it's based on what our genes are and how our genes are responding to our environment. And our environment are the toxins and the pathogens and our thinking and even if we've had a physical impact. So it really gets down to bioindividuality is we have to look at who you are, why you are, and how you are. And we develop a very personalized plan, a supplemental and food plan for each one of our clients that is unique to them. And we have had really just tremendous and humbling uh, results from this approach. And I'm guessing that you use that information or that information is part of your approach, which is called the Cochrane Method, aptly named. Um, (laughs) Can you tell us about the tools and the strategies that you use in this method and kind of why you chose to integrate them together? Absolutely. Well, we know that the body is such a complex highway of systems and allopathic medicine decided to stovepipe our system. So if you go to a nephrologist, which is a kidney specialist, they're gonna say that kidneys have nothing to do with your heart or with your liver, and then you have to go to somebody else, to an endocrinologist, and so we now know it doesn't work. It's all connected. And so the Cochrane Method is really a multi-level and multi-dimensional approach incorporating biochemistry, biophysics, musculoskeletal, of course, Uh, epigenetics, which is how um, environment influences our genes, and nutrigenomics, which is how our foods influence our genes. So the structural foundation of the Cochrane Method starts with genes. And basically, genes can be turned on and off like a light switch. We know now that the science of epigenetics is that we have genes, but how are our genes influenced? And the way that they're influenced is going to show whether they are expressing against our favor or in our favor. And so what I developed under the Cochrane Method is based on your genetics, I put four portals in there. I created four portals that might impact how those genes are expressed. And so the first one is the pathogenic load. And that involves viruses and bacteria and Parasites, And now we know, for example, that a strep antibody can actually have a genetic shift such that it will create almost like an antibody. The antibody creates a DNA shift such that you may no longer be able to manage your insulin response. So it's really potentially a strep antibody that's causing or contributing to your type 2 diabetes or the puppet mastering of the viruses that I call it, where now we know that one in nine of us have an autoimmune condition. Why is this such a huge phenomenon? Well, my personal theory is that 
these viruses that we have been exposed to for millennia and we have been vaccinated against and we have been immunized against, if you will, have now started to wake up and their reawakening is responsible for, let's say, for example, that chicken pox that you might have had when you were five is now Bell's palsy or it's been linked to polycystic ovarian syndrome or that mononucleosis you might have had when you were in high school from kissing that first boyfriend or girlfriend is now returned and reignited and it's now Hashimoto's. So pathogens can really be a big gene tripper. The next thing is our, our, of course, our environment in terms of the toxins of food and parabens and plastics, that, that second uh, component, which we know that these parabens are now uh, turning into xenoestrogens, which was what I call you know, this kryptonite estrogen that actually unhooks the happy estrogen receptors, kicks them out and, and inserts on our genes um, and on our cell membranes rather, the bad estrogen. So those are big contributors. And then the third one is our emotions. You know, the our thinking, the genius work of Bruce Lipton, which shares and shows that our the think the thought creates the thing that our thinking is in real time tripping our genetics. And more and more studies are coming out in that realm. And so I really work with my clients on having them notice what they're noticing and where is that imbalance in their body and, and choosing at every moment, I, I ask them to choose love or hope or gratitude rather than the other the other thought because they've done studies on the effects not only of the DNA expression but also on the immune system response that it can it can shift immune system by up to fifty percent in either direction for up to five hours, and then the last one of course is a physical impact. A physical impact can trip our pituitary. Our pituitary is the master gland that secretes all sorts of hormones um, and signalers, and that can have a huge impact on how our body responds. That's absolutely incredible, kind of putting all those pieces together. And I love the inclusion of the concept of neuroplasticity, which uh, I think I said in 2018 was like the, my word of the year. And so really <laughs> yes. acknowledging how important it is that, you know, what we think is what we become. So it's so important that, you know, what we're thinking inside is as important as what we're saying in the outside. Um, but I love that you incorporate that into your work. And so out of curiosity, I would imagine, you know, given um, the Cochrane method that you kind of just alluded to and just delineated, um, you very likely get some complex uh, patients. So are there common diagnoses or common issues that people are coming to you for to get answers? Well, we call ourselves a last stop saloon. We honestly have referrals from doctors from all over the country, some whom I know and some whom I've never met before, mm-hmm. uh, but they seem to know our practice and they send us uh, very complex health conditions. I'm known as a thyroid uh, expert, uh, uh, specifically in Hashimoto's. I'm known as an endocrine expert, but really we look at everything and anything. And what I tell my clients when they come in is, I, I'm less concerned about what it is that you have. I wanna know why it is that you have it, right? So uh, you can have 
let's say you can have an insulin disruption, let's say you have type 1 diabetes, that diabetes could be a result of strep or it could be a result of a virus or it could be a result of the fact that you have the MTHFR gene expression and you're not making those methyl donors that is making the proper hydrochloric acid to break down your protein and you're having sugar handling issues. So it really gets to why is your body doing what it's doing. Now having said that, autoimmunity is a big one. Hashimoto's is another. Lyme, we're a big Lyme uh, specialist. And then we also work with elite Olympic and professional athletes. So we really see the gamut of everything. Fertility is is, uh, one of our specialties. MS is another one of our specialties. So again, if you've got it, we can try to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) But that really speaks to the whole bio-individuality piece because I think when we give a diagnosis, we assume that that's the same for everyone when in fact it, it could just be that's the way the particular underlying root cause issues are manifesting. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you've written an amazing book called The Wildatarian Diet, Living as Nature Intended. So that title gives us a pretty good clue about what it's about. (laughs) But can you please give us some more details? Yes, I would love to. So we really do need to get back to living as nature intended. And wildatarian is really a sub-umbrella of the Cochrane Method and the Cochrane Methodology because it is based on a diet that is based on your genetic blueprint and your current state of health. And what's so cool is that you don't have to be a genetics expert or biochemist to understand your genetic blueprinting. Uh, I've developed a simple quiz that will take you down four major archetypes of wildatarian. And just as an overall construct, wildatarian, which is a name that I invented, um, is really the definition is someone who consume sustainably raised wild game fish and shellfish low mycotoxin legumes and grains and sustainably sourced and organic dairy so we are looking at a bio-individualized approach based on that and the wild detarian umbrella if you will has made three major tenants and those are protein fat and sulfur malabsorption. And those three tenants will put you into one of the four wild types or archetypes uh, of wildatarian. And so one of the things that I've discovered, which I really believe is pioneering, is that our food, again, because we're no longer living as nature intended, the food of yesterday is not the food of today. The food, not only the food quality, but what the food is doing to our microbiome and our microbiology. And so one of the discoveries I've made are about amyloids, and this has to do with protein. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFOS, Teflon, and ceramic. 
And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi-Optimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Really, really fascinating, Cynthia, is what I've what I've learned is that the the proteins, in particular chicken, I call chicken the dirty bird. <laughs> <laughs> beef, <laughs> uh, pork and turkey, but in particularly chicken and beef and chicken being the most studied, has these truncated tr- protein structures by the name of amyloids. Amyloids are indigestible. Amyloids have been linked to innumerable diseases. Now we know about the beta amyloids of Alzheimer's, but ALS, diabetes, cancer, kidney disease. Why? Because these indigestible proteins, what they do is they attach to either our organs, specific organ systems, or they grow systemically. And what's so deleterious about these amyloids, and I believe I'm really a pioneer in this because there are very few people that have taken theory and applied it in practice, is that these amyloids actually help make biofilm. And biofilm, I call it the donut, that's that big gooey thing that protects streptococcus and candida and all these bacterial and fungal um, microorganisms, so they're becoming bullies in the sandbox against our favor. And so eating wild vegetarian goes to eating bison and buffalo instead of beef and wild boar instead of pork and venison and lamb. And so those wild animals, what we have found are lower in the amyloid structure in their tissues. And so when we eat them, we're not feeding these things, the biofilm of the bacteria, but also the amyloids feed viruses. 
So that's why I believe that in large part, we have such an autoimmunity epidemic is because these viruses, why are they waking up all of a sudden after millions of years where we've coexisted with them and they've helped immunize us? Well, in part, I believe is because these amyloids are tripping them into autoimmunity. That's so, absolutely fascinating. Wow. I, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about it because not only do we felt do we feel like it worked in theory we've seen thousands of clients benefited by this approach so that's the big one amyloids and then sulfur is the big the second biggest one which nobody's talking about actually most in the healthcare space promote sulfur rich foods well that's a problem because guess what our roundup our glyphosate that nasty little thing that is liberally sprayed on our crops which is actually an herbicide and a, a poison um, is stopping our body's ability to now convert these rich sulfur foods, which were so healthy, such as broccoli and kale. We call it killer kale instead of helpful kale. Um, and um, cauliflower, those that are those, those with a bite, the cruciferous family, and also egg yolks and garlic and so forth. Um, they're actually breaking down our body's ability to manage digestion. Uh, if you have a sulfur processing mechanism gene, so again, back to the genetics, and that has been expressed and you're eating sulfur-rich foods, you could be contributing to ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. 73% of rheumatoid arthritis linked to impaired sulfur processing. Oh my gosh. That's it's, unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. And so these individuals that are coming into me and saying, Terry, I'm so confused because I'm having having these kale smoothies and I'm having eggs every morning and you know I'm eating my garlic because it's so antimicrobial and I can't walk. Well, guess what? That sulfur has tripped that genetic and that genetic is expressing as an autoimmune or autoimmune-esque uh, type condition. And so we really have to watch out to see if in fact we can or cannot eat sulfur. And a vast majority of, a majority of us are now unable to process sulfur the way we used to. And even if we don't have the genes yet, the, the, the whole work of Ben Lynch and dirty genes is like, well, even if you don't have the genes, you're expressing like you do have the genes, so you have to eat like you do have the gene. Um, so that's really, that, I felt that that was really groundbreaking. That really is. And, you know, and, and I feel like the whole epigenetics piece for many people is kind of on the new frontier. You know, we understand kind of empirically what that represents. Uh, but it, I've come to find that a lot of people have, you know, they know they have one or two copies of MTHFR, as, for example, as I do. And, um, you know, these blanket statements will come out by uh, peers and they'll say, well, everyone needs methylfolate or everyone needs methylated B right. vitamins. And I had a conversation with a woman the other day and I was explaining to her that I just don't believe that to be the case that, again, we go back to bioindividuality and she was completely stunned um, because it's cutting against, you know, this kind of mainstream perspective. But that completely makes sense. Um, what I find most fascinating is that we've been, you know, saying for years how great the crucifers are, but we also think think about, um, you know, not just the kale juice, but, you know, the celery juice phase that people are yes. kind of, you know, whatever's in vogue, people are pushing and consuming to excess. And, and you definitely delineate how, um, you know, consumption of those sulfur rich foods for the wrong person could really be detrimental and not helpful at all, even though empirically, kale is a is a relatively healthy thing. Absolutely. And, and again, that's why, you know, the food of yesterday is not the food of today. It used to be healthy and because we just weren't so sensitized by the glyphosate, which is making sulfur really, really difficult 
to access and actually use to our benefit, which is important for tendons and mental health and, mm-hmm. and gut health and so forth and so on. But absolutely, and I see so many come to my practice. And again, by the time they see us, a lot of individuals have been through multiple practitioners and they're overmethylating. So they're agitated and they can't sleep. And, you know, their gut is leaking because their, their nervous system is way wired. And they didn't need that methylfolate. As a matter of fact, what they needed was something as potentially like a B6 in the form of P5P to open up mm-hmm. that sulfation pathway. Because in my belief system, sulfur trumps methylation any day and every day. And actually by addressing the sulfation pathways, you can actually improve methylation. You don't have to go directly to, you know, to give that high level of folate or B12, especially if there's a lot of demyelination. I said, we work with multiple sclerosis and where the myelin has been eroded, the myelin, I call it the condom to our nerves. And really, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that that's a great mental picture, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really, it really helps protect that nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're hitting it with a ton of like B12 and B1 and B3, bees are highly conductive. You don't have that buffer. Bees would be very, very, very bad. I call it, I call it either a helper bee or a buzzy bee. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, it's back to that bio-individuality. Yes, exactly. It really is. It all comes back to that. Yeah, no, it really does. Okay, so you were saying that glyphosate, especially on these cruciferous vegetables, is not good. But can you talk a little bit more about glyphosate in general and kind of separate the fact from fiction? I think a lot of people think like, oh, maybe that's just a trend. Maybe it's not really as bad as I'm hearing. So tell us about it. Yes, I'd love to. And really, one of the true deep experts on this subject matter is Dr. Stephanie Seneff out of MIT, who, with whom I've had the pleasure of kibitzing on the, the, the ills of, of glyphosate. Uh, but glyphosate, this herbicide, which was actually made from, let's just go back to its origins. It was made from bomb material. It was a poison oh. in World War II that has a high sulfur compounds and high oxalate compounds. And so glyphosate has multiple deleterious effects. And what I believe is, why is it that in the United States, one in, again, one in nine, nine seems to, be, seems to be the magic number, has a gluten sensitivity, right? And one in nine of us have an autoimmune condition. Isn't that interesting? So why is it then we go to Europe and people can tolerate gluten much better? Well, gluten is a protein, yes, and we are less apt to, to digest protein, but why? Being a plant-based protein, it would still be more likely to be digestible than, say, a piece of beef. But what's happened is, and, and again, if we look at gluten over the millennia, you know, wheat used to be the staff of life as you look to the Bible. Well, I call it mutant gluten. And so why has gluten become such a problem? Well, it's because wheat is the most sprayed uh, crop with glyphosate and they double spray. They do it at the beginning where they actually spray, spray that herbicide on these seedling crops. But then they actually, as they harvest, they spray glyphosate liberally on the sickles to help the harvest process be easier. And so what is the big deal about glyphosate? Well, as I said before, first of all, it's a poison, right? And so it's not good for us and the body has to break down something it doesn't understand. But aside from the sulfur processing mechanism impairment, another thing that it does is, and this is why I think it's tied to such a gluten epidemic, is that 
glyphosate mimics, I'm going to get a little nerdy with your audience here because I'm a super nerd, but go for it. (laughs) We love it. Glyphosate mimics glycine. Glycine is an amino acid necessary for the production of hydrochloric acid, which is necessary in order to break down protein. So if the body thinks that it's making this amino acid and it doesn't make it naturally, you're going to be less able to process that protein. So here we go. We got gluten. That's a big protein. We're not we're not processing it because the body thinks it's being hijacked, thinking that it's already making this glycine. And then back to that sulfur piece is that it interrupts. It gets stuck in this what I call intermediary metabolite. So it cannot convert sulfur to sulfate, which is so necessary for gut health. So it's leaking our gut. And then the third piece of it is is that glyphosate is stopping, and this isn't, we haven't even talked about oxalate, and this is like a another sidebar to wildetarianism. You know, it's the four major archetypes, uh, low fat, low sulfur, low fat and low sulfur, and then you could also be low oxalate. So oxalates, again, back to healthy foods, spinach and almonds and coconut and um, black beans, when we try to move away from, you know, a lot of meat and we go to those plant-based uh, healthy foods, oxalates can really be problematic because the glyphosate has disrupted the bacteria in our gut that was responsible for metabolizing oxalates. And so why are these so important? Well, especially in the presence of candida. Candida is a fungus which lives commensally in our gut. However, Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. The indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some circumstances, up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? I want to introduce you to a product by Air Doctor that has captured the attention of established media outlets like CNN, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that have the potential to go on and make us sick. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day, breathe-easy, money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorbro.com and use code CYNTHIA. You'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 in value. Look at the special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code Cynthia. I absolutely love my air filters. They're an integral component to ensuring that the air that my family breathes in our home is as safe as possible. Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients. And it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, transresveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more, were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy, provide mental clarity, and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification 
and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. Because we eat so much flipping sugar, you know, the, the, the average person consumes over 150 pounds of sugar a year versus 11 pounds a year ago. Which is gross. It's gross. It's super gross. And a quarter of it is in liquid form. Uh, 25% of our sugar consumption is in, in liquid. And the manufacturers have gotten really, really tricky because they can label high fructose corn syrup as fructose or sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's very tricky. And that's a whole other conversation. But um, what we do know is that these oxalates in the presence of candida cannot be broken down. And so now we have mental health issues and because it, it disrupts our body's ability to manage our neurotransmitters, transmitters, especially the dopamine pathway, which is so critical in autism, so critical in now PANDAS, which is an acronym for Pediatric Autoimmune Psychiatric Disorder. I have little ones as young as five. I had a five-year-old in here yesterday that was had been in the past homicidal and suicidal. Oh my goodness. This is becoming an epidemic. And so, yes, glyphosate, folks, it's a really big problem. And I, this is secondary, uh, secondhand information, but my clients are part of my uh, philosophy in my practice is I grad. I want to graduate my clients because I want to have them be super informed, and so they've become very well educated uh, in in an, uh, on their own with their own information. And uh, apparently, out of a, a podcast with Dr. Zachary Bush, um, she shared one of my clients shared that Terry, if we go to ten percent organic, they can't do this anymore. You know, they won't be able to economically support non-organic foods so i say vote with your food dollars mm-hmm. glyphosate is causing gut mal gut problems it's co- it's contributing to celiac but it, the most important and i think the most deleterious especially to our children is mental health it is having it's wreaking havoc on our mental health and I think that's really critical. You know, I was saying what to appear, you know, obviously I worked in Western medicine for 20 years, but I was looking at documentaries that were on it. I don't know why I was watching a documentary on pediatric mental health, but that's the kind of nerd that I am. <laughs> and they were, they were indicating, you know, off-label utilization of certain psychiatric medications with children and, you know, the rising, you know, escalating school violence. And I thought to myself, you know, what's really changed in yeah. the food supply? Like what has really, really changed since um, I was a child, which was a long time ago. Um, but the point being that, you know, we've gotten so far away from eating real food. We're yeah. eating 
um, largely grossly processed foods. You know, I, I always like to bring up the book uh, Salt, Sugar, Fat mm-hmm. by Michael Moss as a great example of, you know, how the food industry has um, really solely focused on profits. They're not looking for anything that's helpful. They want to make things as addictive as possible. And consumers assume that everything they buy in the grocery store is safe to eat. Uh, it's safe to, you know, apply on their skin if they're pers- purchasing, you know, conventional products. And and I just think it's such a shame that there's not more good information available. And I'm, I'm hoping that this is the wave of a change in terms of, you know, many, many Western medicine trained providers really starting to understand how absolutely crucial it is to really understand the impact of these food choices. And so you you perfectly and beautifully delineated, uh, you know, what glyphosate does in our bodies. And is it any wonder that we have this rise in autoimmunity mm-hmm. um, in so many instances? I mean, how many people are on antibiotics for a month to treat Lyme at a minimum and they end up developing psoriasis or celiac or something, you know, some downward effect by uh, what's going on with their bodies. So, I mean, that is, that is, so I couldn't have said it better myself. That's absolutely (laughs) beautiful explanation, but really for anyone who's listening, this is why we're passionate about food. This is why it's so important that the quality of food that we consume is absolutely critical, far more important than many other choices that we make. Indeed, I I call food the alpha and the omega. It is the beginning and the end of our health journey. And you can get everything else pretty much right, supplementally, even, you know, emotionally and mentally, which has such a huge, has a huge play. I don't don't want to underestimate that Mm -hmm. or underemphasize that. But if we get our food wrong, we will still be expressing our genes against our favor. And so getting the food right really does involve knowing a bit about the genetics where you start. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The genetics and then also what is my body telling me? You know, am I having those light fluffy stools? Am I, you know, am I having these heavy periods? Am I getting really depressed before my cycle? Do I have acne? That's, you know, the third piece of the wildetarian tenant is fat malabsorption. And so why is that? And this does get back to the stress because now we know that epinephrine opens up the tight junctions of our gut, making it us leaky. It also increases the pathogenicity of the bugs that have already been tripped by the amyloids. And then it also, it makes us fluffy because um, I call epinephrine the cupcake. It's a sugar in a fat. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so we're basically cupcaking ourselves every hour and if we're, in a, if we're in a stress response. And so that makes us fat malabsorbed. And so fat can really be a problem because we need fat to fuel our brain. Mm-hmm. But if it's the wrong kind of fat, it actually um, deprives us of what we need essentially for our brain. Isn't it interesting that many of those things you just described, like, you know, perhaps having a heavy period or being irritable before, we sort of just assume that that's the norm because there's so many people who feel that way. Exactly. You know, and I have people coming into my practice. I cannot tell you it's countless people and it's a it's a theme. They say they say to myself and my naturopath, we didn't know we were feeling so poorly until we started feeling better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's, um, unfortunately, I think that's the norm that, uh, you know, people assume and and whether it's limiting beliefs, you know, Mm -hmm. and whatever it is, age north of 35, 40, 45, 50, wherever it is, people just assume that they're meant to feel crummy and they don't understand that they can feel better. And so, 
I think that's really at the crux of so much of the work that all of us do is that we're trying to help people understand that that, that they can have hope and um, not every problem needs to be solved with a prescription medication. I'll be the first person to say, even as a nurse practitioner, that, you know, I got tired of writing prescriptions yeah. and I feel like food is just as powerful as pharma- pharmaceuticals, uh, which surprises a lot of people. But I really do believe, as, as all of us do, how important um, our food is, as you mentioned, the alpha and the omega. Indeed. I mean, I have, I have a client. He's in his 70s. He had type 2 diabetes. He was on metformin, significant arthritis. He, was, he walked in uh, with a cane. He had high blood pressure. He's now off of his metformin. His hemoglobin A1C dropped to 5.1 in three months from over seven. Wow. He is no more cane. He's dropped about 20 pounds. And I said he should. he's going to be on the platinum version of Sports Illustrated this summer <laughs> because he's so fit. And he actually got taller. Oh, I it's love just, it. this is so age is not a thing. You know, mm-hmm. yes, bio, our telomeres may be slightly shorter, but we should not give up just because we've been told, oh, you're over this age. Just expect things to get worse year over year. Well, that is absolutely false. Well, and it's interesting you bring up telomeres because I was answering some questions earlier today because there's a lot of data coming out that prolonged fasting will, you know, help telomere length. And so there are people that want to do these prolonged fasts, um, you know, four and five days long, and then they do them and they feel crummy and miserable. Um, just curious, I mean, when you talk about telomere length and for those that are listening, um, you know, telomere length is, is something that can be really critical in terms of, you know, aging and aging well. Um, are there strategies that you like to employ to to support them in a healthy way? Because inevitably, because of the questions I was fielding earlier today, I know that those will come up because we'll get questions from the podcast sure. that will come over. Yes. So, you know, really great questions at the end. I actually, I actually work with some really interesting individuals across the country. And one of them, he's one of the top athletic directors for one of the top um, um, professional teams here. And we did a little experiment with him. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And uh, I challenged him to, to tell him I didn't believe intermittent fasting and prolonged fasting was good for him. Mm-hmm. And he used a glucose, a continuous glucose monitoring device for two weeks. And we were right. Um, in his case, it really spiked his blood sugar because he could not manage the that type of fasting taking him through um, that ketosis for him. And so it's not for everyone. And, and especially if you're not in repose, you shouldn't fast. When you're working at you know, the level you and I work where we're going from, from client to patient and so forth. Um, and so it's not for everyone and it's not, it's not for every time in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do, we, how do we manage those telomeres that you know, are, are part of our DNA? Well, it, it gets down to oxidative stress, the inflammatory response, and what the genes are doing, right? So how do we re- reduce inflammation? Well, you know, the alpha of reducing inflammation is stop drink, stop taking in sugar, mm-hmm. <laughs> the wrong kinds of sugar. There's some wonderful kinds of sugar and fruit, some fruit sugar, again, depending on who you are and why you are and how you are. But sugar is so inflammatory. It acidifies. It helps to, you know, increase our... Um, our uh, cortisol response because we get into mismanagement of sugar handling. And then how is our Krebs cycle, that, that cycle that powers um, our, our ATP, which helps with mitochondrial function, which helps with cellular function, which helps with cellular respiration. What are we doing to oxygenate? Are we breathing? I mean, it could be as simple as breath, 
right? So we can get in that proper amount of oxygen. So we, we don't breathe the way we used to. We're only at 40% of our lung capacity, where we, should, we used to be at 90%. So those kind of things. And then understanding supplementally what will work for you. Because if you're looking at antioxidants, glutathione has been touted as a phenomenal antioxidant. But guess what, folks? If you're one of those sulfur people, myself mm -hmm. included, glutathione becomes a pro-oxidant in my yeah. case. So it's no one food or no one supplement for everyone. It's really understanding the granularity of you. And I say, I speak multiple languages and one of them is body talk. So <laughs> <laughs> you have the greatest metaphors and yes. pictures. I'm like I'm like writing all these down because when we when we go to review our podcast that we've done today, I always pull out snippets that someone has said so we can think about you know titles that really kind of emulate. Thank you. Yeah. So really, body talk. I teach I teach our folks how our our clients our client base how to talk body. The body is constantly sending us feedback but we're so equipped to understand what the heck it's saying. And so if we can really get skilled at that, we can really understand and try to, you know, get in front of what might be falling off a cliff. And I think our body likes to, it'll whisper for a while. Yes. And yes. then we don't hear it and we don't hear it. We don't pay attention. And then it starts yelling. <laughs> Absolutely. Very Absolutely. loudly. Yeah. Well, it's clear that you have such a broad knowledge of not just nutrition, but really integrating all of these different perspectives into a holistic approach and creating an individual plan for each person. So having said that, if you were to give our listeners two pieces of advice, things that they could do to live a healthier life every day, what would those be? Well, you know, it, it really gets back down to, and I, the more study I do on this, the more I know it to be true, is that our thoughts create our reality. And that to really be hopeful, to be curious. So, you know, the, the, so much of this is fear-based, and I would, I would uh, really welcome your audience to move from fear to curiosity because curiosity helps open it up to what is it that I don't know and how might I get additional knowledge that's gonna make me informed and informed about me and informed about my family. And then the second thing is to really, really listen. Really listen, start looking at your body. You know, did I eat that one thing and I swelled up? You know, do I have allergic shiners? Wow, look at that, I've got a yellow ring around my mouth. My liver is saying, stop it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I've got, you know, I've got too much going on in my liver and I need to really look at helping it detox a little bit. You know, do I have white spots on my fingernails? And oh, that's really zinc, zinc deficiency. So really just looking at our body and really getting back to the basics of why is my body doing this? It doesn't just spontaneously combust on us. Like you said, it whispers and whispers and whispers. Let's listen to those whispers. Well, that's absolutely amazing. So share with our listeners what programs you're currently offering and how they can find you. Absolutely. Well, um, the Wildetarian Diet, Living as Nature Intended, is on Amazon. I'm very proud of that that uh, body of work and there is an ancillary program that goes with it which you can find on my website called 
the Heal and Seal program. And my goal is, if you can heal and seal your gut, you can eat rocks, and you'll extract the minerals from them. <laughs> I love it. So um, that's a 45-day reset with a longer-term maintenance program. And then we also have, you know, just really mini programs. We've got a wild vegetarian kickstart kickstart detox we've got a you know uh, how to meal and menu plan so we have a couple of those smaller uh, programs and then something that I'm also very proud of is I have this monthly membership called the wild box and these are items that have been personally curated by me that I use and it helps you adopt a wildatarian lifestyle and every month has a theme last month that was about skincare this month it's about freedom we've had uh, things about outfitting the pantry so um, really great really great box and, and each of those boxes has my proprietary formulated what I call my new everyday it's called immune mover um, broad spectrum immune support for all bodies uh, of all ages and so love my wild box and uh, we've gotten just rave reviews on it that's so fun. That sounds like such a, a cool thing to do. Thank you. And then if you want to come see us, uh, you know, we take clients literally from all over the globe. So I'm um, happy to have you in our practice as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We know that our listeners will definitely appreciate it. My great pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.